What's up, guys? Another week. You know what that means. It's time for the Dry Heat Podcast with your hosts, Cuse and Hans. As always, brought to you by our unofficial official sponsor, Canadian Mist, a blend known for its mellow character and smooth taste. Mm-hmm. The Dry Heat Podcast, episode 30-something with Jill Boys are back. Alec, how we doing, dog? Well, we're doing great, man. You know? Everything's falling into place, and uh, sports are kicking off here. Basketball season's getting started. Just love to see it. Absolutely. I mean, Suns currently riding a nine-game win streak into their game tonight, I believe. How oh, do you uh, – what, what? Are they on a nine-game win streak? Is that the longest streak in the NBA right now? Uh, I don't know. ESPN doesn't really cover that. Uh, facts for facts, baby. No – publicity whatsoever don't care you know why because all we do is grind baby game tonight versus the Mavs I don't think Luca's gonna play probably out but the Suns are favored by eight and a half points and I think this gives the show man the Suns are good as fuck you know obviously we were worried a little bit there you know rough start one and two one and three but you know we're on a nine game win streak now and we legitimately against that Kings, that Harrison Barnes last second shot to go in. I mean, that's a ten game win streak if the shot doesn't go in. And so I think the Suns are cooking, baby. Yeah, man, definitely hitting their stride. Uh, you know, I think you can chalk up those first couple games to just a bit of the finals hangover. It happens to the best teams. Um, and also Monty just kind of trying to figure out what lineups to throw out there. He had some weird combos and stuff that I think he was just experimenting with before he found his uh, go-to guys. And, yeah, they're really hitting their stride. Uh, still early in the season, but they look like uh, they were in the same shape they were at the end of last year and beginning of the playoffs. So it's good to see. Yeah, tough news, early report. I mean, one team's missing an MVP candidate and the other's missing Luka Doncic. Confirmed Frank Kaminsky's not playing tonight, Alec. <laughs> How does that make you tremble in fear? When might we end this losing streak tonight? Is this over? Like, fuck, dude, is the season over? And that's a big blow to us. Um, <laughs> no, I hey, Frank the Tank has I I gotta give him credit. He filled in a lot for those Aiton minutes when Aiton was out those those few games there. And that night when he went off for thirty one points, man, that's his that's his uh coming out party. That's the best game that he's going to play for the rest of his life. That was that was huge for us. Um, and, yeah, you know, I, I think that's pretty much his peak and his plateau, but good for him. <laughs> no, but just, I mean, it goes to kind of show the depth of the squad right now. You know, JaVel McGee, do you like JaVel McGee minutes right now? Have you have you seen him working? Do you like what he brings to the table for the Suns? Because I feel like Frank almost is better than JaVel McGee. I mean, don't at me, but. You know, like, obviously, Javel McGee has his role that we kind of needed, but I almost wonder if that was just an overreaction to the finals more so than a whole in the actual squad. And Frank the Tank, I mean, he's showing that he's got some gusto when he got some chances out here. Yeah, I mean, Javel McGee, I kind of went back and forth on a little bit. I think in the long run, he's going to be the guy to fill in for those eight minutes. I don't think Frank Kaminsky in big moments down the stretch should be getting much playing time, if any at all. Um, and I think JaVale is still trying to figure out his role a little bit, but he, he comes in, he's a nice defensive presence. And, you know, especially with eight and back, I think JaVale and Frank really kind of held down the big man spot while he was gone. So I think we'll see more of JaVale 
taking those minutes uh, when eight needs a breather more than Frank Kaminsky moving forward. I, I like that. Also recently celebrated an anniversary for the Phoenix Suns. Yesterday was uh, Chris Paul's one-year anniversary of actually being traded to the Suns. Um, I mean, damn, like, can we talk about the people who didn't want Chris Paul? Like, you know, like, what? where are those people now, you know? You're talking to one of them, man. I'm, I was, I was uh... Ricky Rubio, who, you know, like Ricky Rubio yeah. is MVP, dude. You know what I mean? Like, and then we got this guy, Chris Paul, like, does he even do anything? Like, <laughs> no, dude, hand, hand up. I, uh, I was wary of the Chris Paul trade, not because I didn't know what Chris Paul could bring to the table, but just the, the money side of things, but shows what I know in that regard. Cause uh, it was definitely worth it, and we even extended his contract. I still think it's probably a little hefty for someone his age, but I mean, what what are you gonna do? Not keep chasing this title? So I'm I'm all for it. It's you know one year anniversary. I was happy to be uh, wrong in that, but I think a lot of other fans too were kind of like, I don't know if we should pay this much money, and so I hope all those doubters are also proved wrong as well. But hand up, that was me. I was wrong. I was happy to be wrong. Well, I think I think that your point is still kind of valid, like absolutely about the Chris Paul, like and you know the concerns about the injuries. I mean, you look at the playoff run; it's like, you know, if Chris Paul is healthy, like, you know, I don't want to, you know, no shade of the Bucks, but Chris Paul and all our list of injuries: Saric, Abdul Nader, Booker being dinged up, Aiton being dinged up, Cam Johnson being dinged up. Mikael Bridges clearly had something wrong with him. I don't know if it was mental or what, but. I just thought it was funny because I thought Chris Paul's Minnesota game is kind of like what Chris Paul to the Suns brings. Uh, quarters one through three versus Minnesota, most recent game. Two points, six assists, one for six field goals, over three for three, zero for zero for three free throw. So just having a shit game, you know, not even playing well. All of a sudden the Suns are like, oh, snap, we got to win. Chris Paul, fourth quarter, 19 points, two assists, five for eight, two for two for three, seven for seven, some free throws. Just turns it on, gets the big dub. You know, a T-Wolves team that, you know, early in the season still actually trying to win games. So it's a little bit tougher than if we were playing them, like, later on. But, hey, Carl Anthony Towns is a pretty good player, though. Carl Anthony Towns is a pretty good player, though. And so, but Chris Paul, man, absolute dominant. I make fun of the Carl Anthony Towns thing because did you guys did you see Suns Twitter yesterday or two days ago yeah. when yeah, all the yeah. aim for Carl Anthony trades, Carl Anthony Towns trades were going on? Yeah, I, I saw I saw my fair share of that, which is just absolutely ridiculous. But <laughs> I agree, man. I mean, he definitely goes off offensively. It would be like nice in the offense, I guess. But I think what Aiden brings defensively, as you always point out, is you know legitimately what top five defense at the center position. Yeah. I mean, he's huge, not just like guarding his own guy, but just the presence he brings, he makes it a lot easier for the wing to be able to stay out tougher on their guys and not give them as many open looks. Um, but yeah, Aiden, Aiden was offensive uh, or sorry, efficient in his offensive game in his first game back shot, like 70% um, had himself a double, double with like 22 points and 12 rebounds. But, yeah, the defense is where I really see it the most. And that was an ugly game. And to your point about Chris Paul taking over, and that's kind of what he brings to the team, I definitely saw that in Chris Paul. But that's that's what you always expect out of Chris Paul. What impressed me way more um, is how the rest of the team handled it. And I think even Eddie Johnson 
mentioned this on the broadcast, which it's rare that Eddie Johnson says something that is very insightful and intelligent, but he, <laughs> he was saying, he was saying that, uh, that this is that playoff experience, that this is a team that you could tell didn't panic. And it's something the wolves didn't have, which is so true. The wolves were jacking up terrible looking shots, trying to put the game away. The Suns never panicked. They stuck to their game and they pulled out a really ugly win, which you know, when things are going pretty and you're hitting every shot, it's easy to win. It's harder to win when shots aren't falling for you. And the Suns did it, and they felt calm and collected the whole time. And it's just a new feeling, you know, to to have that kind of security. And I, I really like that. So that was a big win for us just mentally and emotionally, I think. No, that's a great poll, actually, because I was actually just about to bring up the Mikhail Bridges progression that I threw in that group chat, too. Um, and I think that goes hand in hand with uh, that Eddie Johnson quote. I mean, what? Yeah, I mean, if that was off the top of the head, dude, that was quite the pull. Because I think that's definitely what it is. You know, Chris Paul, obviously, it's just the, that championship extra. It's like just the extra gear. You know, obviously, the T Wolves have the lead, I think, after quarter three. But just the Suns being able to go into that extra gear, I mean, that's, that's a different type of, that's the playoffs. You know, that's, it's like, that's your winning team. That's like in the NFL, the difference between going seven and ten and missing the playoffs and ten and seven making the playoffs. It's like those little things that just add up significantly, including. And so I, with that, like thinking about that, the Miguel's Mikhail Bridges progression. I mean, he's averaging 15 points a game, basically He's shooting like 57 percent, 44 percent from three. And I, the defensive stats that I saw, dude, I mean, Let's see the at the B ball index. Def- Mikael Bridges is percent of the time spent defending the league's top tier usage players by year. This year he's at thirty seven point seven percent, and Bridges now ranks in the one hundredth percentile in the stat. He's being entrusted with a massive defensive role. Basically, he's guarding the best player basically every time down the floor, and he's still able to put that offensive production out. Kind of something that you know. It didn't happen in the playoffs last year. And now you kind of think, you know, year four with the playoff experience you just mentioned, like, you know, is this the time you see a guy like Cam John- Johnson who struggled recently, but he's been kind of turned on last few games. Mikhail Bridges, is this his big year for a big step? I mean, a lot of Suns Twitter co- compares him to Kawhi Leonard. Chris Paul's Chris Paul book. I mean, struggled shooting early, but he, I mean, I'm not worried about book. And then Dia, I mean, he's a, menace on the floor like he's I think I almost think Aiden's playoff Aiden is going to be around more in the regular season and that excites me so do you agree with that Mikhail Bridges is like this could be his year to take a big jump I do I mean like you like you said that progression there was a point in time I think it was year two I believe maybe end of year one or beginning of year two after we drafted Mikhail uh, actually, one of the one of the guys he used to work with at the hospital showed me he's a, he's a big uh, Suns fan and works for the team. And he was telling me that Mikhail had like this weird hitch in his shot. I don't know if you remember this. It was when he was when he was kind of playing like shit, um, and he had this like weird hitch in his shot that he didn't have in college. Um, and people were just kind of wondering where it was coming from because it was really affecting his shooting ability. And he worked to fix it. I don't know if it was like a yips thing or what it was, but he worked to fix it. And since that time, you can see like what you posted, that progression of just shooting, improving, improving. And obviously he was there as more of a lockup defensive guy. So if he can be your lockup defensive guy in a team that's really focused on defense and also give you that type of offensive production, dude, that $90 million contract is going to be considered a steal if he does that. 
I think I think so too. And I think if you think about like the points per game, I guess like fifteen might ne- not necessarily like jump out at you. Like obviously that's not LeBron, that's not Booker. No, but, but for a role guy, but, exactly. Like the thing is, is he's like the third scorer basically at best. In fact, he's not even. He's probably like the fourth or fifth. Um, and so to have that type of production where you get twenty from Aiden, basically, you're getting twenty plus from Booker, basically. You're getting whatever Chris Paul needs to give on any given night. And then you have a guy who's probably, what, like eight to nine shots a game, giving you 15, 16. Like, that's crazy efficiency for starters, much less walking. I mean, I mean, not to go back to that first game against the Lakers or second game, but, I mean, LeBron James was like, yo, what the fuck is this bullshit, dude? I'm out of here walking off the court in game two. I mean, he's just, he's just so, he gets in your head, he shuts you down, and then he can also make you pay on both ends of the floor. I mean, that's, that's $90 million in my book for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think we're obviously on this good run. You want to see that continue. It's a long season, so you don't want to, you're going to end up hitting a little bit of a dip here and there. But um, I think it's better to get that out of the way at the start of the year and kind of just improve from there. Things I'd like to see moving forward is you're absolutely right. Mikhail's playing well. Cam Johnson kind of started off a little sluggishly. Hopefully he turns it around. We see what, you know, when he's, when he's playing like a guy with confidence that can, that can put up points, that's because he's a off the bench type of player. Uh, Jay Crowder, a little slow to start, not worried about him. I'm a little more worried about Landry Shamit. I know he's a great player and I still love the signing, but he's definitely, definitely needs to find a bit more of his role in the offense and kind of, fix up what he's doing there if he does do that i mean landry shamit was a legit player on the net so i i I imagine he'll be nothing but beneficial for us but those are the things i kind of want to see more moving forward because we know what those other guys are capable of we've seen what they did all the way throughout the season into the playoffs so it's time to figure out what those new additions are going to do and how they'll fit in no that's it absolutely absolutely agree i think that's from that point i'm almost completely forgot about i think that's a great point, and I think maybe it's even from, like, how the Suns play offense. Their offense comes from their defense, like they always say. Obviously, Shamet not known for his defensive, like, prowess. But I feel like he plays pretty hard defense from what I see. And so, like, maybe it's just distracting him from his offense early in the season, still trying to find his role. Uh, but, yeah, man, I think he definitely needs to get going. I mean, I, you don't love to see the numbers he's been putting up, cause early, but it's so early. So, you know, as long as there's growth, that's all you can ask for, I guess. But speaking yeah. of growth, uh, Matt Stafford's MVP uh, adventure here in the uh, 2021 season. What year is it? Yeah, 2021. I'll do it. Just time travel. Sorry, you know. It's um, that cat bud, bro. Yeah, dude. I was just uh, – last weekend was a blurted freaking movie. Um no, but MVP, Matt Stafford, looks like dog shit. A take early that Ben shouted out that, you know, I definitely did not agree with at the time. But that Rams game, bro, the 49ers took it to them, baby. Beat their ass in the backyard. I mean, are the Rams dead? Did Odell make the wrong decision in going to Matt Stafford instead of Aaron Rodgers or Tampa Bay? Oh, probably not Tampa Bay, but obviously other teams in the mix for Odell. But what do you what yeah. do you think? Are the Rams dead? Are they even are they like are we even concerned about the Rams anymore? Yeah, I'm. I mean, the Rams are a weird team because 
before the last two weeks, they were up there as, you know, top, top Super Bowl contenders. Um, obviously, the Arizona Cardinals not included in that list because we can't be sure if they're an actual legit team, if they're good or not. But it's it's confusing. I mean, the Titans just took it to them, just beat the shit out of them without Tractor Cito, uh, Derrick Henry out for the year. What? Um, what does that even mean? It's, it's his nickname. It's his Tractor Cito? It's his nickname. You mean King Henry? King Henry. Yeah. <laughs> even even without King Henry, dude, they were able to uh, just absolutely take it to the Rams. And then the 49ers, who we absolutely demolished the week before with our backup QB, just took it to them on, what was that? Was that a Monday night game? Yeah, Monday night game. And yeah, you're right. Matt Stafford did not look good. Odell did not look happy. He looked like he was back with Baker Mayfield. Um, I don't. I I think Matt Stafford is a legit quarterback. I think he's a Hall of Fame candidate quarterback. So I would still be a little worried about the Rams. They obviously have some things to work through, but I still think that they're a legit team that we can't write off yet. No, I totally agree, and I feel like you know what's funny is like I, I'm I'm with you, and like I think we we talked about it earlier, you know, months ago when Matt Stafford went to the Rams. Like, yo, he's gonna win MVP. Like, this is gonna be crazy. But you kind of see like his big games at this point um you know he's only he's only beaten the bucks he's lost to the titans he lost to the cardinals now he's lost to the 49ers debo samuel has never lost to the rams that's a hell of a stat for you know the anquan bolden ask wide receiver for the 49ers um but i think it's kind of like almost something where it's like he was on the lions for so long he almost like doesn't know how to win football games like he'll, he'll just do like this like early in the the first half, like basically what put the Rams out of the game was that second pick in the yeah. first half. And then McVay's like, oh, let's not go for a field goal here. Let's try to fake before the first half. Like, I was like, that's, I don't know. It was super weird. But obviously two, three huge decisions there that like totally changed the complexion of that game. I thought the 49ers had no shot. Like you said, Cole McCoy and Cliff there took it to them up in 49 land. But I think the Rams are still something to be concerned about. Von Miller looked like shit, though. I, like I said, he's old. I don't think Odell is, like, really a signing that makes a big splash for them either, like, realistically. Um, the loss of Robert Woods is definitely bigger than the acquisition of OBJ. And so that offense, you know, is dangerous. But I don't know. I, I kind of like the cards a lot more now than I did. Last week, but speaking of the yeah. cards, let's let's transition to that real quick, dude. Panthers cards, dude. What are our takeaways? Are there any takeaways? Are we dead? Is the season over? Is Cliff Kingsbury fired, or like what's happening? Uh, you know, I I didn't even realize. I mean, I guess I kind of ha- could have figured it from watching the last years. But what was it? I think you or Ben pointed out that we haven't beat the Panthers the last five times we've played them. Young Ben Epstein with a hell of a stat there. Yeah, there's just something about Carolina. Like, we see that Panthers team. They could be the Super Bowl contending Panthers with Cam Newton from, you know, five, six years ago. Or they could be a completely hurt, broken piece of shit team that doesn't matter. They're going to take it to us one way or another for some reason. Uh, It was a disappointing letdown. Cliff has also never beat Matt Rule, I'm pretty sure, which is a tough stat at this point. Oh, like all the way back to Baylor. Yeah, I'm like pretty sure. Like he has one win at most. It was it's hilarious. 
Yeah. I mean, Ben, Ben made a good point. He was saying like, you kind of expect this It's the second game with your backup quarterback. Like you're not just going to have the same seamless offense without D hop and without Kyler. The only thing that concerned me a little bit was you expect a loss, but you don't expect to just get shit pumped like we did. And maybe it's just cliff on me because after that win in against San Francisco, the prior Sunday, I gave him an insane amount of credit. I was ready to rescind every bad thing I'd ever said about him. It was a masterful master class performance, just out coach Shanahan, perfect game plan and just demolish the 49ers with pretty much your main MVPs out. And then he follows it up with a piece of shit game like that. It, you know, maybe we should just write it off and get back to work and hope that Kyler's healthy again. But yeah, that was ugly. That was not fun to watch. The game is over pretty much after the first quarter. Yeah. Well, it was tough. What I thought was tough, honestly, is I feel like, I don't know. I feel like what you said there, I definitely agree with mostly. But on top of that, I also think the Panthers are going to make the playoffs this year. And I think they just got Christian McCaffrey back. He's been out for six weeks now. They were undefeated with him while he was playing. And then you add in goal line Cam Newton as a quarterback. Like, I, I get it. Like, Cam Newton probably only had, like, literally knew, like, four plays going into that game. But Cam Newton... If he's getting 10 snaps a game, and now they're thinking he's going to be the starter. That's what Matt Rule said for going into Sunday. I don't know if I love that. I think P.J. Walker's probably a better bet to take it in between the 20s. But goal line, goal line package with Cam Noon and McCaffrey, you know, they got they got some weapons. They got Robbie Anderson, D.J. Moore. Like, if you got a quarterback and that can actually hit him in the hands and also has the potential to, like, be a truck, F-150 going up the middle – Plus, also Christian McCaffrey. I mean, that's dangerous, dude. And I feel like, you know, like you said, like the Cardinals didn't play well. But I think the Panthers also might have found something at the same time. So, I think it kind of goes hand in hand. Obviously, the offense, second week with Colt McCoy. Like, you got your backup quarterback in. Going one and one with your backup QB. I mean, like, that's kind of almost better than expected. I mean, especially since I thought we had no shot versus the 49ers and then to win that game. And so, like, I'll I'll just – I'll take it. But I think that had more to do with the Panthers being, like, a legit playoff contender than the Cardinals, you know, who were hurt. I mean, who do, who was even really playing, you know? No D-Hop, no A.J. Green, no X receivers. You have, you know, James Conner gets another touchdown, but no Chase Edmonds. I mean – so, but I, I do think it's kind of scary that we're going to be down to Chris Streveler and then we couldn't even pick up a backup quarterback for next week. So, I, but I think, do you think Kyler has to play next week? I, that's, I was actually just about to ask you that. I'm curious. Um, after the 49ers game, I kind of said just let him sit through to the bye. Um, but you also don't want, to get the team out of rhythm. So I don't know if he and D hop were sitting just out of extreme caution. Cause they're like, Oh, we're going to make the playoffs. We don't want to risk, you know, the playoffs in a potential super bowl on a game against Carolina when we're eight and one on the year. Um, so I kind of hope that's the case, but I don't know. You know, I keep hearing conflicting reports about, Oh, he was pretty much ready to go and just being cautious or it's worse than we think. And he still needs more time. So if he feels like he was close to ready to go on Sunday, I would like to see him out there on the field against the Seahawks. 
Um, but I also understand them being careful about it with D hop. I have no idea what's going on with him. Cause he seems like he's always questionable, but then fights through it in place. So I don't know if this is just a bunch of injuries that have stacked up or what his deal is. Yeah. I, well, let me, let me answer. I'll answer that in a sec. What do you think about the Panthers? Like, just, do you think they found something and we just got shit on? Or do you think the Cardinals just weren't prepared? Like, you know, do you think that Cam Newton's going to be a good quarterback for them or not? I think it was a combo. I think we did not prepare well for this game, um, which is Cliff's fault there. But I think at the same time, like you said, they get McCaffrey back. They have, you know, their MVP Cam Newton back, obviously only doing the goal lines, but they also have the XFL's greatest player of all time, PJ Walker. So <laughs> I mean, you got two I, MVPs on the same roster. That's tough to yeah, do. Seriously. So I, yeah, I think the Panthers may have found a little bit. And obviously McCaffrey is huge when he can actually stay on the field. Um, and we just weren't prepared. I think moving forward, uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I don't know. I think maybe long-term you want Cam Newton to be your starter and learn some of the playbook. I don't know if a week is enough time for him to get ready. Um, and I'm curious to see if it's going to be the Cam Newton that was on the Patriots last year that looked like he couldn't throw a football or more like the older Cam. Yeah, I just feel like anything's an upgrade to Sam Donald. I mean, I think his career is done. Yeah, um, same thing just, track, bro. Uh, he just looked – I mean, it's just – it's not even that he's on, like, great teams and, like, you know, like – or he's on – he's obviously on, like, really not the best teams with the Jets there. But then you get a second shot with the Panthers. You're 3-0. and And then as soon as you're not playing, the team looks even better. It's like, damn, bro. Like, that's – That's, that's pretty much That's pretty much all she wrote in the NFL. You only get a few shots. But now back to your question on the Cardinals – and should Kyler Murray play? A little reverse action towards me. Um, I would say I think Kyler – I think the thing is at this point in the NFL, and to Ben's point, just get us to the bye week, nobody's healthy. We've had – it's going to be 12 games in a row before we have our bye week or 11 games in a row before we have our bye week. I'm forgetting off the top of my head. And, you know, that's that's three months of football basically, though, either way. And, you know, when you have those win streaks, like, everybody's, like, playing even if they don't want to play, like, or they probably shouldn't play because it's like, yo, we got a win streak. Like, we're going. Like, and so that kind of covers up for a lot. Um, also, even mentally, it's like, no, I'm not as hurt. Um, so, but I will say, like, at this point, everybody's hurt. And this is kind of, like, the problem with small QBs or, like, the, the thing they think about is, like, you know, a guy like Josh Allen who's, like, 6'4", or whatever. I'm not even sure really what the Kyler Murray thing is, to be honest. I feel like it's very unclear. They're like kind of keeping it in. But when you're like 6'4", 250 and you get hit, obviously it's a lot different than when you're 5'5", like 100 pounds. Not that Kyler Murray is that, but sometimes it seems like that. You know, <laughs> Midget Murray sometimes feels real, even though he's an absolute assassin out there on the field. I mean, but the thing is, is I think the difference between this Panthers game, 49ers game, I just don't think he can play. And that's fine. Like, you know, that was the week after, whatever. Panthers game, I get you don't want to rush him back. But the Seahawks game, that's a division game. That, like, directly affects playoff chances. Um, but I think it's tough because you have the bye week right after. So it's like, do you take the two full weeks off and, like, really make sure he's healthy for the end of the playoff push when you start – at Bears, and then you also have at Lions and a couple other cold games. But I, I just – I think he, you have to play, man. Like, I, I mean, if you can't play, that's one thing. But if it's, like, questionable, can't – it's like, dude, you saw Russell Wilson out there struggling like a mofo. Like, because their season was basically on the line. 
And so, I mean, Russ will be playing. I think Kyler needs to play. I'm not, like, concerned. I just don't think – Seahawks look like shit, dude. They look terrible. So, I don't even want to say that, like, he needs to play in order for us to win. I just think, like, he's got to go because, like, you can't just hold out your starting quarterback MVP candidate for, like, multiple weeks and expect it to turn out in your favor. Yeah, also having to sit through a Sunday game of – like that Seahawks team that can't score versus Steve Strebler who won't be able to score. That'd be like a terrible fucking game to watch. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, you know, if you're Kyler, it's like, all right, play the first half. Let's go up by 35. Then you won't play the second half. Like I, I, I kind of agree with you. I, I lean with you. Like I obviously want to see Kyler out there. I want to see D hop out there, especially if it's like more precautionary and they actually are feeling better and kind of good to go. I do think a little, I don't know, question that gets thrown into the mix there that makes it less clear whether he should or should not play is the Rams loss. Like if the Rams had won and they gain a ground on you in the, in terms of, you know, getting that by and winning the NFC West, it's like, yeah, obviously big division game, you got to play. But with the Rams loss on Monday, it's like you have more room now where you obviously don't want to drop that game, but it's not a must win situation to hold off the Rams. So I think that kind of makes it more interesting of what to do there. That's an interesting point, honestly. Um, I don't know that I – I see why you would say that, but I also think we have to play the Rams again anyway. We also have to play the 49ers again. And then our no, last – No, we're done with 49ers. We're done with 49ers? So we're yeah. Still... Okay. Yeah. Well, did we, t- we took two. Okay. Yeah. So we still have to play the Rams, though. We still have to play the Seahawks. And at or Seahawks at home, I think. Oh, this one's at Seahawks. So do we have Seahawks at home? Watch. I should have pulled up that schedule. But either way, like the last the last week of the season is a division game, and you know, I I, I don't, I'm not so confident that we're going to beat the Rams twice. I think it's just going to be a tough game. It'll be a kind of a coin flip situation. Um. And so that makes me feel like, you know, the Seahawks look like shit. You need to win this game. Like, I feel like if you lose this game, you're in a much different situation. And with, you know, the bye week kind of goes both ways. Because on one hand, it's like, you know, Kyler could have a few extra weeks to, like, get healthy. But on the other hand, it's like, well, if you play, you don't, like, there's no game the next week. So, like, if anything, like, you have uh, you have two weeks until your next football game after Sunday. So, yeah, I, that's a good think, point. And and with the D Hop stuff, I mean, I think like what they were all saying is D Hop is the only reason why D Hop is not playing is for the betterment. Like the training staff is like pulling D Hop out of these games in order to keep D Hop away from himself because that guy seems like a psycho and will play through anything. So yeah, he'll, he'll play till he ruptures every tendon in his body. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. So like yeah. I'm definitely glad he's not playing um, for that reason. But I also think so. I think like if he has a remote chance of playing, he'll play. I think getting AJ Green back will also be helpful as far as for having a downfield threat. Uh, yeah, man. I, I think the Seahawks is a must win, though, legitimately. I don't think that you can really fuck around with this one because, you know, you do have big games against the, you have another big game against the Rams. And then that last week in the division is the Seahawks. And it's like, you know, can't really be fucking around, bro. I mean, the season's so, like, it's a eight week sprint at this point, you know, 
And so yep. I, that's kind of my worry. I, I see it both ways, though, for sure. I, I like I'm not going to sweat the decision either way. But especially when you got out Cowboys before the Seahawks, I mean, it's just that last stretch, dude. I mean, even the Lions game is going to be tough. Like it's the NFL late in the season. I just, I don't think this is a game that you can opportunity that you could waste. The Seahawks look like shit. Um, and obviously you wish you could have the two weeks to be healthy, but I just, I don't think that you, it's tough, dude. Cause in the NFC, I don't know if you saw the stat. But there's only like one or two teams out of the playoff race. Every other team is within a, a game and a half of the playoffs. Yeah. And so it's like there is, you know, even though we had like this massive win opportunity, it's like you can't just let games get away from you. You know, every game is so important. So it's going to be tough either way, though. I, I like, I don't know. I respect both ways. I think, I just don't think you're going to go two and one with a backup QB. And I think, you know, if we take that L to the Seahawks, I think that you got at Bears versus Rams, at Lions versus Colts, at Cowboys versus Seahawks, then the season. That's definitely not the easiest stretch I've ever seen. So, well, uh, you're absolutely right there. So, it's, it's when you want to win. So, either way, whatever we end up doing, uh, yeah, I think you want to get that win going into the bye week for sure. Hey, also, should we have signed to Son Reddick? Uh, no, I'm fine not signing Hassan Reddick. Even still? Even after he's going off with the Carolina Panthers? He's kind of going off, but I like the defense that we have now. Okay. I I think that's a fair take, because I I feel like if you say we wish we should have had Hassan Reddick, it's like, okay, well, do you not sign J.J. Watt? Do you not have Marcus Golden? Do you not... who Who do you take off the defense? So, I think that's a valid take. But yeah, and then, you know, Robbie Ray is probably going to win the AL Cy Young real quick. Uh, what's it like having so many former D-backs winning the Cy Young? Yeah, you hate to see it. Um, it just adds to the the insult to the injury that is the shit-fire dumpster of the Diamondbacks. Um, you know, watching Dansby Swanson just absolutely fucking wreck it for the Braves and win the World Series was also wonderful. Glad we have Shelby Miller on our books instead. Uh, yeah, and Robbie Ray's going to win the Cy Young, you know. It's, it's tough being an Arizona Diamondbacks fan, but, you know, we kind of knew that. True that. Although I will throw out this stat for how many Cy Youngs we've given away, obviously with Scherzer um, and Robbie Ray that's probably going to win one. I think he would be robbed if he doesn't, honestly. He led the AL in, like, every pitching category from what I saw. As that oh, yeah, the D-backs he- have won five Cy Youngs in franchise history. Brandon Webb in 06. And obviously, the four-time side Young Award winner Randy Johnson with the D-backs. Um, only seven teams have had more Cy Young awards. That was kind of crazy to me. Yeah, that that's crazy, especially considering all like like you said the missed opportunities that we could have also added to that list. Yeah, I mean, if you keep Scherzer, I mean, just that alone, I mean, that adds like three or four probably. Trevor Bauer. That's true. That's well, you know, I'm well, whatever. We'll TBD. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. TBD on that one. Also, I mean, Coyotes suck as well. Yeah. But shout out to Mr. Barrett Hayton, youngest Coyote to score two goals in a game since Clayton Keller uh, at 21 years old, 160 days. Uh, his first career multi goal game. 
that's kind of big news for Mr. Barrett Hayton there. You know, a guy who struggled, huge dude um, for the juniors and minors, but, you know, has struggled with his transformation on NHL. I mean, that's the type of stuff where if he can make that jump, obviously we're not going to win more games this year. But with the assets we got, man, if Barron Hayton becomes a legit center in the NHL, I mean, just another piece for the Bill Armstrong era. Yeah, I, I got to say, I went to the game with uh, Jordan and Mac Daddy on, uh, what was that, Wednesday night last week. We got just absolutely pumped by the Minnesota Wild. Uh, <laughs> and I all I could think of the entire time, like, that's how you do tanking, right? I even shouted out the D-backs, like, this is how you, this is how you appropriately tank. But uh, I really hope you're right about Billy Armstrong. I, I think we're trusting Billy Armstrong odd as of now. And I, I hope we are right to do that because I got to tell you, man, that team they threw out there, they, doesn't look like a, they don't look like they belong in a, an AHL team, bro. Yeah. Legitimately. I mean, they the, the talent disparity, everything is just, you just, there's no point in that game where you're like, Oh, this team belongs out there. So I really hope those draft picks that we accumulate will turn into something good because right now that team has no shot of being anything. Not, not, I'm not even talking about like a playoff team. I mean, this team won't even be able to get out of last place. No. Well, I mean, that is the goal. Obviously, you know, like no, we yeah. said, yeah. you know, you I get one year like this, but also hilariously, Scott Wedgwood, newly acquired goalie, does snap the 10 game slide. Hilariously, had done that before for none other than the Arizona Coyotes back in what 2016, I believe. <laughs> um, you know, it's just funny, you know, obviously, accumulation of just a bunch of you know, young talent, and then obviously, just old vets that don't quite have the talent anymore. But like you said, you know, we got we still have our number nine overall pick down there uh, in juniors right now, tearing it up for the Edmonton Oil Kings. Um, Dylan Gunther, I mean, he's, he's going off, obviously a little early to be like, oh, you know, he's going to be Sidney Crosby or anything like that. But, you know, it's just going to be a tough season regardless. So it's cool to see things like Barrett Hayden. You know, it's cool to see things like, you know, Chitrin starting to get going a little bit. And, uh, you know, those are the those are the uh, golden nuggets to take out of this season. It's definitely be an Easter egg hunt until next year. I am I am interested to see how the season goes and what we do with these all these five picks that we have in the first 60 picks uh, coming into the offseason. Like, what exactly are we going to trade? Are we going to draft five players? You know, it'll be crazy. Yeah, uh, I will say if you're if you're someone like me who typically enjoys watching the Coyotes, but just knows that this year is going to be tough to sit through all those games because it's going to be bad, and you're looking for a way to kind of still remain involved with the team while we're waiting for those, like you said, those draft picks to come in or the trades for the picks to come in. Uh, there's a there's a line on FanDuel, I believe it is. It's probably also on DraftKings, um, but. The odds you get are pretty decent for a goal scored within the first 10 minutes of Coyotes game. It doesn't have to be the Coyotes. It can be the other team. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, and we sprinkled that the other night, and it hit because, of course, it does. The Coyotes always allow a goal in the first 10 minutes. So if you're looking for a way to make some money and kind of enjoy the game, at least for the first period, think about sprinkling that. If you want to enjoy Coyotes games, bet against the Coyotes the rest of the season. You will <laughs> make so much fucking money. It will be unbelievable. That is the most sure bet that currently exists is money line against the Coyotes. But obviously, Vegas allows them to like even put that out as an option. I'm surprised. Yeah, I same. Legitimately said, it's so bad. But 
all in all, AZ sports are on the up. Cardinals looking good. You know, lots to look forward to. Suns, obviously, we don't really pay attention to the NBA until Christmas time because these early games, you know, only matter so much. It's cool that we're on a hot streak, but you know what it is. Coyotes, we know the situation. D-backs, I mean, ooh, actually, real quick, do you like any of these hirings? Do you think any of these hirings are important for the pitching staff and or the bench coach? Or Obviously, it's cool to have a hot bitty in the dugout, but – yeah, I, I, it just feels like you're, you know, putting a little Band-Aid on a just gushing, like, artery because as long as you have Lavulo and Hazen at the helm, adding bench players or positional uh, coaching players is just really not going to do much for the team. I do like the hire. I just think that's not going to solve our problems at all. That's that. I would definitely agree. I mean, coaching can only do so much, you know, at the major league level. Um. Yeah, we'll we'll leave that there. But yeah, more Deepak's hot stuff to come in the following weeks. Uh, we're gonna try to rip off a few more in the next few weeks. Um, you know, if anyone wants to be a guest, hit me up. Hit Alaka. You know, we can make some ish happen. Damn, bro, Cardinals playoff March begins. Yeah, dude. Continues. Exactly- you know, Seahawks. Damn, dude, we look so good, bro. Are you concerned at all about us missing the playoffs? No, that would be – I mean, that would be absolutely historic to miss the playoffs at this point. So, no. That's fair. I love it. On that note, the Dry Heat podcast kicks ass, takes names. On to the Dry Heat, baby. Later, boss. Yeah. Let's give a quick shout-out before we end the show. I'd like to shout-out uh, Phil Mickelson for winning the Charles Schwab uh, Championship Cup. That was a big, big home crowd for Phil following him around all weekend at uh, Phoenix Country Club. You love to see that. VJC, oh, really? my, my guy, Let's played go. pretty well. And then my last shout-out is just uh, Colin Zacagnio. He's uh, helping people close some deals on some real estate, and he's uh, moving up in the business real estate world. So shout-out Colin for that. And uh, go support Thunderbird FC. We're always a pro Thunderbird FC podcast. Absolutely. I mean, I wear the sweatshirt as much as possible. I mean, their merch is off the charts, dude. Like, I don't know. They obviously didn't get it from China because this shit, I mean, you, you feel this stuff. That's like the old OG Nike athlete stuff. Where you're like, damn, this is the nicest sweatshirt I own. I mean, this Thunderbird FC merch, dude, is the nicest sweatshirt I own. I wear this all the time. So, huge shout out to Thunderbird FC, Colin, uh, Phil Mickelson being an absolute menace on the Manning cast. Gotta love that. And, uh, yeah, bro. Killed another one, bro. You're the man. Yeah. Legendary dude, thanks for doing this, uh, running the show. Absolutely.